0: <gasps> it's Christmas Eve. And? Can I please have a candy cane? No candy cane. Go back to bed. This is a jolly good pace we have today. Absolutely. And this weather is great. Yeah, perfect for Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve. (laughs) Yes, it is. Hey, honey. Uh, So I've got dad's famous Christmas Eve pancakes happening. I've got the coffee brewing and it's bowl game day. What's up, coffee? Yeah, can you put that into a go up for me? I have a lot to do before church tonight. I have to go to town and finish Christmas shopping, get some eggnog, find Haley a red bow for her Christmas dress, and I have to get Aaron some pipe cleaner for her famous Christmas craft, and I have to get Sean some new socks, thanks to the whole, who could I get new situation from last night. I guess we're just lucky that socks were the only thing we lost in that one. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Did you want me to get you some coffee? I'd love some coffee, honey. All right, so I'll get the French press. Awesome. Oh, maybe some toast? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm home. Hey, babe. Time to start getting ready for church. Brian, can you help me get the little ones dressed? Yeah, sure. If you can just get their clothes out and then go ahead and put them in them, then I'm all over it. Stop running around the house. Aaron, put Haley down. I told you, she's not a toy. Brian, seriously, can you help me out here? Sean, take that out of your mouth. Lucky guess. Guys, we have to get going. (sighs) Good run. Yeah, great pace. Good weather for a run. Yeah, I'm zapped. Coffee? Coffee. Well, I I guess it's time to get ready for dinner. <laughs> Bill, we've talked about this before. First we're going to church, and then we're eating dinner with the kids. We're eating after? Why do they plan these church services to start at bedtime? Hmm. Oh come on! Red, throw the flag! He was all over him. Brian, should I wear my red sweater or my black Dad, dress? Dad, you have a candy cane. Yeah, the, the red dress. The red sweater? Dad, candy cane. Yeah, uh, the black sweater. Are you even listening? So that he gets the candy cane? Yeah, sure. The game will be over in five minutes. So I can have candy. Cane. No candy cane. Hey, did you say that Sean can play outside? No, Brian, he'll get his clothes dirty. Well, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. You think the kids will be on time? I don't want to have to sit in the lobby. Oh, Bill, we'll be fine. You know how the kids are. I know how the kids are. All right, I'm good. It's almost time to go. Are you ready? Yeah, just gotta get dressed. You ready? Ready. Yeah. Really, Brian? What? I think maybe you forgot something. What are you talking about? Wait for it. Pants! Dad! Candy cane. No, no candy, candy canes! canes. Oh, it's good you here. I'm oh, wow. Dad. What's up, Pop? How was how your are day you? so far? Oh, well. it's pretty it's eventful. Good. kind of hungry, though. Yeah, it's way past <laughs> dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK, got him. Oh, hey. We're here, I'm Liz. I'm Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Hi. guys. Who wants a candy cane? I you guys made it uh,
1: You're
0: right, Merry Christmas. well Merry Christmas you guys look great I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now from an off-site campus uh, or on the internet or maybe one of the venues uh, Here at long point you guys that are here in the worship auditorium look around amazing that this many people would come at three o'clock to go to church but if you'll imagine this there are as many people in the venues outside of this auditorium right here on this campus as there are in here and i want to say thank you for to everybody who uh, listen if you're in studio a i told you it's a great experience so I'm glad you're there. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad I got here. I'd rather be here than in the main auditorium. Okay? <laughs> okay, so you lied. All right, so how many of you um, are planning on travel during the holidays? How many of you traveled during the holidays? Okay. How many of you traveled to get here? Just raise your hand. How many of you have traveled? Anybody travel 90 miles? 90 miles? Sir, you travel 90 miles? Did you come on a donkey or a camel? <laughs> camel. Can I ask you a personal question? Are you pregnant? Okay. Good. good. Because that'd be a bigger miracle than the one that we're going to talk about a little bit bit later. So speaking of travel, um, so I heard about a guy who lived in Charleston, and it's Christmas Eve, and he calls his son that lives in the upstate and says, son, I hate to break bad news to you at Christmas, but your mother and I are going to get a divorce. 43 years of misery. trying to fake it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't want to talk about it. In fact, you can call your sister. I'm not even going to talk to her about it. Hang up. So the son calls his sister. She lives in another part of South Carolina. And he explains what he just heard his father say. And she says, I'll get on it. And so she calls her father back and she says, Dad, you can't do that. Don't even think about it. Don't do anything rash. She said, my brother and I will be there tomorrow and we'll talk about it then. Promise me you won't do anything between now and then. He said, I won't. So the old man hangs up the phone, turns to his wife and says, done. Says, honey, the whole family's gonna be here for Christmas and they're paying their own way. <laughs> oh my. So... So the whole Christmas story, Advent, is all about anticipation. It's about preparation. It's about travel. Um, You know, Mary and Joseph travel 90 miles, a donkey. The wise men travel hundreds of miles to come and see the star. The shepherds travel from their fields, and God himself comes to be with with man Uh, i i I like travel uh, but i don't like packing can anybody relate to that the bags you got to carry i can remember when we were uh, when we had four kids lived in northern illinois where it's less than 80 degrees at christmas time and we'd pack our kids and you know you'd have so many bags and then somebody would you know mess on their clothes or whatever, and you have to start all over again. It's just mess. I remember thinking about the day when it was just Debbie and I. We could pack light. Let me show you how we pack. So this is her suitcase. <laughs> One of them. And so, and, and so you can put enough stuff. This thing feels like a small Volkswagen, okay? And then, and then she'll put the extra stuff in here. And, uh, and then I've got this. And by the, time, by the time that we get down two flights of stairs with this stuff, we're not even talking to each other, okay? <laughs> and the joy of travel has kind of somewhere gone away. You know, for some of us who are here on this Christmas weekend or Christmas, Christmas week, This is almost like a metaphor for our life. We feel like we ought to be on a journey that's exciting. We've anticipated it. should be full of adventure and enjoyment. But the baggage that you're carrying is squeezing the joy out of life. See see if I'm talking about you. You used to laugh a lot more than you do now. In fact, the people around you, maybe at work or your family have even brought it up. Or, or it used to take a lot to, you know, for you to get upset, and now it's just the little things do it. And you, and you go, why? I don't understand. I don't know where it all went. Well, you know what well, I'd like to do? I'd like to take a swing at that a little bit because I want to see us experience the joy that God has for us on this Christmas season. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit about the baggage that squeezes the joy out of Christmas. And then I wanna, at the end, just for a minute, I wanna talk about what, what Jesus offers to bring us the life that, uh, and, and the, the, the abundant life that he desires for each one of us. And so let's talk about baggage and let's take the big bag first and I'm gonna put a, um, I'm gonna put a bag tag on it. And the bag tag is guilt, guilt. Some of you are familiar with, with guilt. We all are. We, uh, in, in fact, if we were to take time where you could get acquainted with the people around you, and they may not share it, but there would be people in your section who are carrying heavy bags of guilt. Uh, there's probably a working mother or two that feel guilty that they just can't spend the time that they'd like to with their kids at this particular segment of life. There are stay-at-home moms that feel guilty of, that maybe they're not giving the right you know, model for their daughters uh, to achieve. And, and, and then there are men who wish that at this particular time in life that mom could stay at home with the kids, but he feels guilty because he can't make the money that would allow for that. Just guilt, guilt, guilt. Kids have guilt because maybe they didn't stand up for the guy at school or the girl at school that was being bullied. Kind of haunts them a little bit. Whole families have guilt because they feel like, you know, they have this standard of living that people around the world would die for, and they feel guilty about it. Um, there are partners that walked in today who feel guilty because they don't feel anything for the person that they're sitting for, with anymore. And they wish they did, but they don't. They feel guilty about that. Uh, There are girls here who have a secret that they hope nobody ever, ever finds out. And it's just this burden of guilt. Now, guilt in and of itself probably isn't that bad because it's an emotion I think that God hardwired into us. Uh, And it's helpful in the sense that when you do something wrong, guilt is the thing that triggers you to go, Whoa, my bad, you know, or own up to when I'm not living up to my values and be able to say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to be like that. But where guilt gets out of whack is when you put the next bag tag on, which is called shame. See, guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I did something wrong and I'm a bad person. There was a psychologist that uh, uh, defined it like this, that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced done or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. And what happens and I see it all the time, people that have uh, uh, that have big bags of guilt and shame, they feel alone. Uh, they feel disconnected. They feel unworthy of the affection of anybody, God, or the people around them. That's a lonely place to be. And so, guilt and shame is a bag that steals our joy at Christmas. There are other bags this bag right here I'm going to call bag of frustration and disappointment. Frustration and disappointment. I talk to people every once in a while that feel like their life just isn't adding up to what they thought it would at this point. They, they look around and they go, at this point in life, I never thought that I would be here. And a lot of times you, you hear if onlys, you know, if, 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 only, if only I had taken a, gr- a degree in, or majored in something in college that actually I could get a job with, you know, if only I had done that. If only I was married. If only I wasn't married. <laughs> if only we could have kids. If only the kids would leave the house and quit coming back, you know, just on and on. If, if only I had, if only I had more money. money, if only, if only, if only. And we're frustrated about where we are in life. And you, and you want to multiply that? Go on Facebook. Because what you do on Facebook is you see what everybody, el- everybody else's life, and their life is wonderful. <laughs> it's the best day of their life, and you're going, I would like to have that. I can remember growing up, Christmas, I loved Christmas, and um, had a great family and lived in Colorado. And We'd open our gifts on Christmas Eve. That was our tradition. We didn't have a church tradition like this. And, uh, and I'd get, you know, a basketball or a football, I might get a shirt or a watch or a radio. And I loved it. It was great. Until we went to the cousin's house to watch them open their presents. And they would get like a horse. <laughs> or a car, true story. Or a boat. And my frustration and disappointment level with what I was excited about earlier just went down. And uh, that, that's why, honestly, that the Bible says in Galatians that you shouldn't even be on Facebook. (laughs) That's not exactly what it says but what it does say is this, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. See the truth is you can't be happy and envious at the same time. And at the end of the day, here's what we all want, I think. I think we all want our lives to matter. We want to be able to say, I made a difference. I watched an interview with David Letterman, of all people, just yesterday. And he was talking about this same thing. The guy that interviewed him said something to the effect that, uh, have you, since you've retired, have you allowed yourself to have the satisfaction in how good your show really was? And and he said, really, not really. He said, my wife tries to tell me that. But he said, what does it really matter? He said, it's just, it's just comedy. And I thought, here's a guy at the top of his game that still feels like I wonder if I really made a difference. That's what we all want. We want to make a difference. And so, and so guilt and shame and frustration and disappointment. Let me give you one more. This bag. And the tag I want to put on this bag is called worry and fear. Worry and fear. This, this bag's full. I'm telling you what, there's a lot to be worried about these days. Would you agree with that? A, little, a lot to be fearful of. Here's what I did. I did a little research to find out what, uh, what Americans are afraid of. And it surprised me. Um, did you know what the number one thing Americans are afraid of? You know what it is? Somebody said public speaking. That's number five. That's what I'm dealing with right now be nice smile <laughs> number one is the same thing that kids are afraid of it's the dark it's being alone w- taking a walk by yourself in the dark is the number one thing that americans are afraid of and i thought that's silly until i started doing it and so here, here's what i did is uh, not very long ago, th- this year I decided I'm going to walk more because I, I need to. I have a pretty kind of lethargic lifestyle. I mean, I like my life, but I don't do a lot, you know. I just <laughs> preach on the weekend every once in a while, you know. So just lay around, you know, watch TV and watch Ellen, you know, that kind of. Thing. So I don't, I don't get out, get out much, and so, and so I decided I'm going to walk, and then then I got one of these uh, watches that count your steps. And then I was studying this stuff. How many steps do you have to take in order to have a healthy lifestyle? Help me. How, what's, what's the goal? What's the goal? 10,000. You guys know it. You're doing the same thing. So I thought, how hard could 10,000 steps be? It's really hard. I'm telling you, it's really hard. Don't start at 10,000. So here's what I did. I started at 1,000. Don't laugh. So I did it for a few, A 1,000 is like getting up, going to the bathroom, you know, <laughs> some of that stuff. And so and so, I, uh, so I got this little app that encouraged me to, in my goals to, you know, take a bigger bite of the apple every once in a while. So I went 2,000, 3,000, doing good. And now I'm up to 7,000 steps. And so the only way you could do 7,000 steps with my lifestyle and the, where I am is some of them have to be done at night in my neighborhood. And we just moved to the country, got nice neighbors. There's never been a crime ever in our neighborhood. And I thought, I can do this. And so the first night I came home and I went out to walk. And, and the, uh, the moon was just big and beautiful and the stars and just lit up. And it was like communing with God. I really did. I prayed and it was awesome. And I got my full 7,000 steps in. The next night, I went out, and it was a foggy night. I didn't bring a flashlight. By the way, one of the ushers bought me a flashlight after hearing this story last night. But anyway, whatever. So uh, so I went out, and I'm walking. I'm not 500 feet from my house. I'm starting to see things. <laughs> forms are forming up in the trees, and I thought, this is crazy. This, this is fine. And then, about another 500 feet, and I heard something off in the woods. I heard a crash in the woods. Just that moment, I remembered a television show I'd seen on the Discovery Channel about grizzly bears in Alaska. True story. In Alaska, they study grizzly bears, and they put a GPS on grizzly bears. And then they had hunters that went, you know, they drop them in in an airplane, they go hunt moose or whatever in Alaska. And, and, um, and they, 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 They could plot this through like satellites or something. But what it was terrifying, grizzly bears were stalking hunters. They could see that happening. I thought, that's what's, there's a grizzly bear. Then I thought, grizzly bears don't live in South Carolina? That's stupid. But then I thought, there are bears here. They're like black bears. And I thought, well, you know, black bears, they're as afraid of us as we are of them. So that's not a really big deal unless you've got a mama and you got the cub over here on the other, and I'm in the middle I'm going to be eaten by a black bear seriously all these thoughts went through my mind fear does crazy things to you and there are so many things that are much more real than what i imagine i was talking to somebody the other day that said If the truth were known, they're afraid to go into a crowd because of terrorism. They used to be over there somewhere and now it's in America. They're afraid. They're afraid for their kids, especially moms. Talking to a millennial that wonders if the American dream was for their parents or grandparents and it's not something that they'll have. It's talking to older folks that were worried about whether they'd have the money to retire and this bag gets fuller and fuller and fuller and some of them are rational and some of them are irrational but to us they're real. The bag gets so big you feel like you can't carry it. It's kind of like this book bag that one of my granddaughters was carrying the other day. I've got a picture of it. I think we do, there it is. And it's nearly as big as she is. And what do you do about that? And then Christmas breaks through And on a starry night 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, God becomes man. In fact, Matthew 1 and verse 23 says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel with me, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. God with us. well, what difference does that make? Well, let me tell you what difference it makes. That baby grew up and became, began to teach and challenge the systems of the day. And, and one day he said this, In Matthew 11, he said, come to me, all of you who have heavy bags of fear and disappointment, frustration, You feel isolated and lonely because of guilt and shame. And he says, come to me, you who are tired of carrying these heavy loads, and I will give you rest and take my yoke and put it on you. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest because the yoke that I give is easy and the load is easy. That I will put on you is light. He says, Let me carry it for you. Have you ever been to one of these hotels, nice hotels where they have bellmen to carry your stuff? I'm not talking Motel 6. <laughs> Maybe you went to Disney and you had the whole family, and you got out of the car and you looked like the Griswolds, you know, you got all the stuff, and, and this nice bellman comes up to you and he says, Can I carry your stuff? What's the right answer? You tightwad, you don't want to give a $5 tip, and so you carry your own. It's kind of the way we do with God. God came, Emmanuel, to be with us, and he says, I want to carry your load. And if you'll let me carry your load, then you can experience the joy that I have in your life. But you got to let him have it. So let me, let, me, let me talk to you just for a second about what he gives in exchange for each one of these things. See, he, he not only carries your load, but he gives you gifts. The first one at Christmas is a gift called love. A gift called love, that's the first thing, because this one is so important because it, it, it's an exchange for shame and guilt. How does that work? John three sixteen. from God's perspective tells the Christmas story like this. For God so loved the world that's you and I, that he gave. You can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. He said he loved you and I so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have eternal life, that we could live forever with him. That's good news, but it doesn't stop there. Next verse. says um, Romans 5 and verse 8 says, but God demonstrated... His own love It's one thing to talk about love. It's another one to demonstrate it. He demonstrated it in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That'd be like you going to the dog pound to get a puppy for the family this Christmas. And the guy there at the dog pound knows that you want the good looking dog, right? You want to bring home a good looking dog. And you say, no, 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 no. Give me the ugly one. Give me the one that bites. I want the dog that bites. Nobody likes them. <laughs> Give me the one that will not potty train. That's the one I want. That's what God said about you. He so says, it's not that pretty one. Give me any of them. Colossians 2 and verse 13 says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not cut away. And he said, uh, then God made you alive with Christ For he forgave all of your sins and he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In other words, there are some things I am guilty of that cause shame. God doesn't want the shame. And what he does is he goes to the guilt and he says, I'm going to take that away completely. And how does he do it? He does it by offering in his love forgiveness forgiveness. He said, I forgive you. Jesus came to take away the shame of sin, and you are forgiven. And Not only that, but he also gives the gift of joy. Gift of joy. Now, the gift of joy is an exchange for this bag, which is full of frustration and disappointment. I'm disappointed because where my life is and I don't make a difference, and I feel like I could have so much more to offer, and Jesus says, you wanna make a difference? You wanna make a difference? He says, just follow me. In fact, in Ephesians chapter two and verse 10, he says, we, that's you, are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. He says, you don't have joy, here's what you need. Here's what you need. You need this gift called purpose. Purpose. He said, meaning, purpose, you need purpose in life. He said, if you want purpose, follow me. I created you, you don't even know this, but there are things inside of you that are created specifically to make a difference in specific areas. You follow me, keep the blinders on. Don't look at everybody else's, you know, deal. You just run in, in your lane. And, and when it's over, at the end of it, there's gonna be this award, this award ceremony. There always is in a race. And he said, you're gonna be blown away by how what you were created to do makes a difference in other people's lives. And you won't believe it, but I will reveal it to you someday. So he says, I give you love and joy. And the final one, is peace, and peace is in response to our fear. And can I, can I tell you this? Some of you in the next two minutes are gonna get more than you could have imagined out of this message because it's gonna be right where, where you live and you need it because you're, you're gripped by a fear. And God says, I don't want you to have that. I, I want you to have peace. You say, well, how do I get it? Let me tell you how. You stand on the promises of God. Did you know that there are over 7,000 promises in God's word? And there's just one of them custom designed for you. Let me show you how it works. One of my favorites is in Philippians chapter four. This is for people who tend to worry. Now, I come from a family of world-class warriors. Anybody else here? Yeah, we can, we can out-worry you anywhere. So this has been so important in my life. Philippians chapter four and verse six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation that would bring you fear and worry, it says by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God, this is what I'm worried about. This is where my fear is. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about health. I'm worried about whatever. It says, let God know. And then this is what happens. It's a miracle. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me break that down for you. Four things happen. Number one, it's, not, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It says the peace of God, it's not something you have to go, boy, I, I better do it right. I gotta get this right. No, 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 no. You can get it totally wrong. All you gotta do is say, God, I am afraid. Would you give me your peace? And God does it. Here's the second thing, is that, It's not understandable. It doesn't make sense. It says it transcends understanding. I've seen people experience God's peace during this Christmas season when it made absolutely no sense. I've seen people in the midst of financial reversal experience God's peace. I've seen people in the last days of cancer experience a peace that doesn't make sense. I've seen people whose loved ones died during this season and experience the peace of God. I've seen people who are in the middle of relational collapse experience peace. They all received a gift of peace that didn't make sense. Third thing about it is it guards your hearts and your minds. Your heart and your mind is about 18 inches apart and they work in tandem. If your heart's troubled, your mind creates scenarios and vice versa and so he says, I'll guard that. I will guard that for you and it's a gift from Jesus. About or 700 years before Jesus was born, Samuri travelers encountered the peace of God. Um, they were miles away from home. Their story is recorded in the book of a friend of theirs. His name is Daniel. These three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were threatened by a powerful king. They're about to be put into a fiery furnace. That's how they're going to die, because of their faith. And in that moment, as they're standing by this furnace, we see them experience this peace that's talked about in Philippians 4. Peace. What's interesting is they weren't sure that they weren't going to die. In fact, I imagine they were pretty sure that they would. So that's not what their peace was based on. Their peace was based on this. It came from the fact that they knew no matter what happened that God would deliver them. That this wasn't the end of it, that there was more and that God would be with them. so they were thrown into this fiery furnace, the Bible tells us, and the king watched them and two incredible things happened. Number one, they didn't burn. And number two, he threw three guys in and there were four men. He said, I see four men walking in the flames. And who was the fourth one? He was the same one that, his name was Emmanuel, that came in the cradle, God with us. He was the one that said, if you're loaded down, can I take your load? He's the one that gives the gifts of love and joy in peace. He's the eternal one. And he walked through the fire with them. Now let's be honest. How many of us honestly could use some of that kind of peace this Christmas? You may be facing a fiery furnace of health. You got a doctor's report recently that wasn't good. You may be facing a fiery furnace of finances, or of relationship, or even of doubt. You know, you can't choose whether or not you go through the fire, but God's gift of peace that passes understanding is the best gift that you could receive this Christmas. You can't choose the fire, but here's what you can choose. You can choose to have a confidence that Jesus walks through it with you. You can choose to walk in a peace that doesn't make sense. And can I tell you, that's good news. That's good news. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful group of people who've gathered here in this hour to experience the beauty of Christmas, the music, the candles, and an encouraging word. And God, now I pray that your transformative work would be at work in us, that in the next few minutes that we would experience the miracle that comes from your love and your joy and your peace. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.